Hello and welcome to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, and I'll be your host. Today, we are joined by Matt Kornfein, a major force behind Cobalt Banker Commercial's growth, my colleague and my friend. Matt is a seasoned operations and servicing professional with over 15 years of experience in commercial real estate. He has a leadership role where he supports brand engagement with the affiliate business at CBC, overseeing sales, and helped bring on nine new firms last year alone. He is also the bridge with marketing and product teams working on providing appropriate tools and services for CBC, shaping their value proposition. He is progressive, driven, down to earth, and deeply cares for his client's success. On top of all of that, I know from experience that he is just great to work with. If his voice sounds familiar, he's also one of the founders and hosts of some of the CRE with CBC Worldwide podcast episodes. He's here today to talk to us about servicing and growth in commercial real estate. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Christina. I feel like we've done this a few times before. This feels familiar. (laughs) This is nice. Hi, everyone listening. This is so great. I'm so glad you agreed to be on the other side of the podcast today. Yes, very much so. It's a little different, but it still feels good. It feels normal. Good, good. All right. Well, before we dig into servicing and growth, I want to know a little bit more about your own personal growth story. So let us know, how did you come into the business and what attracted you to building your career at Realogy and CBC? Sure. So I actually have a pretty long history in regards to Realogy and kind of franchising as a whole that a lot of people probably aren't too familiar with. And I can't say I woke up one morning and it was like, you know what, I gotta be in the franchising business. I must be involved in real estate. It wasn't really the case. I kind of grew into that from my family. So long history is my father actually worked for the company when it was known as HFS many years ago. And in that division, we had hotels, there was car rentals, there was real estate as well. And I started when I was in high school and I worked in the mailroom. It was cliche as can be. I started off in the mailroom. I would go there after school in high school. Uh, about two to three days a week, and I would process all the insurance paperwork that comes in. So the E&O insurance, the general liability, I would load it into some of those Crest AOM systems that people might be familiar with, which is now known as Dash today. So I would enter it into these systems, and it kind of started off that way. So I was about 16, 17 when that started. I then went off to college. I majored in computer science up at Keene State College in New Hampshire. And then from there then, I would also come back during winter break and summer breaks and kind of still work in the mailroom, still work with processes and really get to know our back office and infrastructure. And then as I continued through my schooling, Realogy, while it was at Sendin at the time, rolled out a intern program and it would be across all their different divisions, their car rentals, hotels, real estate, et cetera. So I applied, started off, I did a semester at Century 21 as an intern developing marketing. In particular, some of the e-greeting cards that people are familiar with nowadays. You know, you send a postcard, an email, and I have an animation, and we do the holiday templates and those types of things. That went really well. And then I also came back uh, the following year. I was asked to come back, and I worked in Coldwell Banker at the time. So when I was at Coldwell Banker at the time, I worked with some familiar faces that some people might know, such as Gustavo Gonzalez, who oversees the media for all the Coldwell Banker and Coldwell Banker commercial. One of my first bosses was David Marine, who's the CMO of Coldwell Banker commercial as well as Coldwell Banker. So I had worked on the Coldwell Banker side. And then when I was done with school, I had the opportunity to apply for a position that resided within the Coldwell Banker commercial family um, as an interactive marketing coordinator. So I started off. I got the position 
and uh, started off right after school in Cobalt Banker Commercial, and I've been here ever since. So when I started, my focus was on marketing and technology. That's kind of my background, my passion. And I had gotten to a place where, you know, I had kind of risen up through the ranks and helped to really form the platform that's kind of iterated over time, but what we had at Cobalt Banker Commercial. And then when the downturn hit in 08 and 09, you know, we ended up losing a lot of our staff, just like a lot of companies did. But we still decided as a brand that we needed someone to go out there and meet with our brokers, meet with our professionals, meet with them face to face. And they said, hey, who better to go out and really sell the platform than someone that built it? And I was in my late 20s. I wasn't married or anything at the time. So I'm like, sure, I'll be happy to go travel around and meet with our company. So I said yes. And I took on that position from a servicing side. And I think one of the things I kind of looked at from an opportunity was, you know, I'd always been focused on marketing. Let me kind of pivot and shift and learn a little bit more on the operational side of the business. And this was about five to six years involved in being with CBC. So I took that and I traveled and I've been kind of traveling ever since. It's slowed down a little bit. But if we've got 166 firms, I've probably been to 155 of them in person, in office, and met with them. And that was really great. It was great being able to understand the business, meet our owners, meet our sales professionals, get an understanding of what they need, what they want locally, what offices work, what some of their traits they have that make them successful, where are some rooms for opportunities and growth from that side as well. And then since then, I've shifted a little bit. I worked on the corporate services side. I helped develop kind of lead generations and platforms. I've been involved with events. I've still kind of kept my pulse involved in the marketing and technology just because that's a passion. That's my background. And now I'm focused on sales and growth across CBC. That's amazing. You know, it's interesting that you and I have had such parallel paths because I, too, was in marketing before I came to operations. It seems to be a good way to kind of learn different parts of the business and end up in operations. You obviously have a very big scope in the company. Tell me a little bit about how your computer science background actually probably helped position you best for what you're doing today. So that's a good question. I think a lot of it came down to was my background and how I like to operate. I very much like to get involved in things. It's not something where I want to just assign tasks or roles. I really want to get an understanding of what is the problem and then look for solutions to the problem. It's, it's one thing to say, hey, there's an issue here. But when that happens, I want to be able to come with two, three, four opportunities of how we can solve this problem. We all get problems across our lives and in our businesses, but it's how do we respond to them and how do we solve them? So I think having that analytical mind is kind of how I'm wired a little bit. Let's look at the problem. Let's get involved. Let's find a solution and really help solve it. I think it's been beneficial for me in terms of both the computer science side and, and how I've worked but then also how I can understand that technology and then also understand the operations. And I think I, I tend to do a pretty good job of taking complex situations and explaining them so that other people involved in our business can make a decision upon it. They might not be the most technical people, but how to simplify it for them so they can understand and then guide us in the right direction. Yeah, you definitely do a great job at that. You know, I want to kind of dig into your time with Realogy in the sense of, obviously you didn't dream about being in a franchise model business, but you grew up in one. And yep. I want to talk about, you know, why is a franchising model so attractive for other people to join into? You know, why why become part of a franchise? Why franchise? Well, I think one of the great things about franchising is it immediately validates you as a company, as a provider. You're not necessarily new in the space. You're not having to kind of scrap for you know, finding back office solutions and getting the branding out there and the infrastructure for the most part, depending on the franchising model you're going to get involved with, that's all going to be provided to you. 
So what I like to say then, as a franchiser, you as the surgeon, you get to focus on doing surgery. You don't have to worry about all the other back office problems or solutions. You get to focus on really executing across your plans, your goals, and then being as successful as you want to be from that side. So interesting. I keep thinking about, for some reason, I'm like stuck on thinking about your computer science background. But to me, that's like you go online and you kind of just use the internet. No, you don't really have to worry about how the web page is built. Like leave that for other people to build it. Very, very true, right? It's you will get, and there's a variety of different franchise models that are out there. You will get the support that you need, especially from us on the Coldwell Banker commercial side, but as well as the other Realty brands. You'll get the support that you need for you to be able to execute against it. Now, that doesn't mean every franchise successful and every franchisor is successful. For that, you gotta make sure you have a plan, right? You gotta be intentional with that plan. You gotta execute against it. You can't just say, you know what? I want to be the biggest in the market. And I've had that conversation many times. I said, well, what is your goal when you open up a Coldwell Banker commercial franchise here? What do you wanna be? Well, we're gonna be the biggest. Okay, that's where we're gonna end up at, but what is the plan in terms of how are we gonna get there? What is your plan in terms of people? How are you going to recruit? What type of people are you going to recruit? In particular, from the commercial side, what aspects of the business are you going after? Are you going after industrial? Are you going to do more leasing side? Are you going to be doing retail? Are you doing property management? There's a variety of different ways to skin this cat. If you've also got that residential business, are you cross-selling? What is your plan between residential and commercial? How does that work? What is your educational requirements if those are in place? How are you going to be supporting them? Uh, is there marketing support that you're going to provide, educational support? There's a bunch of different ways. So making sure you have a plan so that you can be the biggest in the market. But it, there's a lot of different steps in terms of figuring out and getting you exactly to that place. Absolutely. You were talking about your journey through servicing. And when you just said execute, I know that part of your servicing model, just from our conversations, is you know, working towards executing in ex like an in excellence or being excellent at execution. How did servicing and meeting people and you know going into offices kind of shape the way that you attack that? Yeah, I, I think one of the things first when I kind of moved into the servicing side was just being open to everything, right? It's I, I think you know there's that Jim Carrey movie like Yes Man or something like that. Like like say yes to things, be open and be a really good listener. And I think when I first started going out and meeting with offices and meeting with brokers, a lot of times we're working in quote unquote, the ivory tower at the time. You just kind of came up with concepts and ideas and maybe that's where I was in in my career life, but I, I didn't really have that connection with people. And then when I got out there and started to meet with them and talk to them, I really realized like these are people, they, they put their pants on, you know, one leg at a time. They've got their own problems and issues. And to really hear from them, especially during the depression, some of the issues they went through, the hard times that they had, you know, it really personalized them for me. So being open to listening to all of that, hearing them, and then kind of going back and trying to come up with solutions and ideas to really work for those brokers. That was very beneficial for me in terms of just getting an understanding of our business in terms of who they were locally, but then, you know, learning more about commercial real estate through the process as well. I think that was one of the greatest things that I did in my career was just having that was drinking from a fire hose and it was great. Yeah, that's so important. I know that uh, that our culture is really built on never redirecting somebody without having either a solution, but really just picking up the phone and answering questions for our clients. And I think that one-on-one -on -one experience really does shape the way that you address things. Since you are such a great active listener, sounds like, I want to know about a little bit more about the commercial real estate industry, specifically just to kick off with what is exciting you in our industry. 
So I think one of the big things that's been exciting me across CRE is I feel like we had a lull kind of in the early 2010s, kind of coming out of the depression and so forth, where, you know, I was out of school and there wasn't a lot of younger kids my age and kind of their their mid-20s coming into commercial real estate. It wasn't a, a sexy business to be in. Things were very much on the downhill. They, you know, I had friends that went into more financial banking and maybe they kind of dabbled in residential real estate, but they wanted to be entrepreneurial. And I think we've seen a big resurgence of that happen in the commercial real estate space like recently we've seen kind of a younger and up and coming demo that has come in and realized you know what i can be as successful as i want to be in this industry right like what i go out and hunt is what i get to eat like this is a great opportunity and you can be very strong and very successful in the space and we've seen that happen across coldwell banker commercial i think one of the other things that we're starting to see more of a resurgence on is that that cre tech that prop tech space right of course there are some very large players in the commercial real estate space, and we partner with a majority of them, but you're starting to see a lot more of them that are coming up into play recently, and they'll be a little bit more specific. Again, they have a plan and their intentions of how they're coming out to the space. It's not necessarily we are going to be the end-all, be-all, the point A to Z solution. We're going to fix this one little problem for you, and then we'll continue to kind of build and grow upon it from that. So we've got great partners with Buildout and Crexi and Brevitas and near from the mobile phone data and tracking. So there's a lot of good partners out there and we're continuing to look at the space. So if you are one of those providers and are looking for something, feel free to reach out to us at Coldwell Banker Commercial. Absolutely. Boy, it's full circle from the beginning of your career, right? Like just seeing how tech is really, I don't know, there, there seems to be a resurgence in tech in the space or more of a concentration. It is very exciting right now. Yeah. And it's also not that big of a space as well, right? I know kind of on our residential side, you know, we have over 100,000 agents that exist in Coldwell Banker. We've got nearly 3,000 at CBC that are dedicated commercial professionals. I mean, we're a large high school and, and most of the brokerages across the firm, you know, across the United States are similar in size. Some might be a bit larger as well, but we tend to run in small circles and there's uh, some good niche opportunities that are coming out from that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, since I like that analogy that we're kind of like a high school, you know, of what do you think makes a good franchise owner? What makes the cool kid on the block? <laughs> so I think what we've seen happen before is that just because you're a good producer doesn't mean you're going to be a good operator, right? You could have be the number one sales agent and think, you know what, I'm just going to go off and do my own thing. For the most part, we really don't see that tend to work. I mean, there are exceptions to that. But you're great at the one thing that you do very well, and that's sales. Why would we move that away from you and have you focus on being a leader and building a community and a company that exists locally there? So I think to operate a very strong franchise, going back to having a plan, developing a plan so that you can get to the place that you want to be. On top of that, I need to, I would say like, be open to ideas, be open to new people, look at different types of people. We've seen this across many different businesses, right? Don't just hire yourself, hire people that have different skill sets, different ways they view problems and solve problems, different opportunities they have, different networks that they're connected to. Make sure you bring those proper people in and that if you are running a franchise and you don't have a commercial real estate background, because we have some firms that came to us and they weren't involved in real estate, but you know what? They came in and they're very successful now in what they do because they hire leaders that will 
run the day-to-day -day operations and they have that commercial background and vice versa. We have people that are involved in Coldwell Banker Commercial that are franchisors and they're involved in different franchises as well, whether it's pods, whether it's Dunkin' Donuts, whether it's other opportunities that exist in the franchise model. We have companies that exist that way and they're not experts in that, but they hire the right people to come in and do that for them locally. So make sure you have a plan, have a dedicated leader for your, your business of whatever that is, so you can be as successful as you need to be from that side. What a great point. I love the idea of, or I love that you've seen people be really successful in different businesses. And the idea of running a franchise is maybe different than being a commercial real estate professional. So I want to dig into that because I know you've gotten to know so many of our top performers and you've really helped them grow. Let's be real. What makes a good candidate for a commercial broker? Hungry. They really want to go out and be as successful as they want to be. You know, I've, I've talked to some of our, our brokers, as you mentioned, over the years. And, you know, one that really stuck with me was Art Berry. So Art Berry's out of Macon, Georgia. And he said, you know what, Matt, might not be the smartest person in the room, but when I wake up, think about my clients. I work all day to be as successful as I can for them and to help drive results for them. And I go to sleep thinking about my clients and it's late at night. And, you know, they are dedicated to their craft in terms of making sure that they do their best for their clients and they are hungry to be able to provide for them. Right. They've always got that itch, kind of that that voice in the back of their mind telling them that, you know, things might change things. They, they, they can't sleep on their laurels. They always got to be looking for what's next. There's always going to be those cycles in commercial real estate. Right. Right now we're in a great opportunity and things have been going great, but this isn't going to happen forever. So make sure you are prepared for the future in terms of what you could provide for your family, for your people, whoever you need to support in your life. You know, we were just at our global conference a few weeks ago and we had this speaker, Ryan Estes, come and I actually got to interview him on one of the previous episodes. And his biggest point for leadership was that there's it's almost this this trickery of success. You know, you get to this point of success and you think, well, if I just do what I did before, I'll continue being successful. And he really wanted us to shift our mindset into thinking about not being comfortable and always being uncomfortable. And that sounds yeah. a lot like what you're saying about art. Yeah. And, and there is something to be said, too, about get comfortable with the uncomfortable. I know that's something I've done through my throughout my career was, you know, there's going to be challenges and I'm still working through that all the time and, and opportunities that come up. So get comfortable with the uncomfortable is another thing to be familiar with. Well, speaking about your career, I did want to come back and say, you know, and ask you a little bit more about your path and just really focusing on the idea of growth mindset. So not only have you, you know, and, and I think this is I don't know if it's unique, but it's certainly not as common for people to build their whole career really with one main company. And so you've really been through Realogy as, like you said, from the mailroom all the way up. You know, what has kept you going with your growth mindset? What has been the driver for you? Maybe what are your core values that you've felt like you've been able to explore there? Yeah. So I think it kind of comes back to at least what I look for in a company and what I look for in terms of my peers and my comrades with you, with you being one of them is I tend to think of myself as a good person, right? I tend to think of myself as dependable and you want to work with other good people, right? You want to work with other like-minded individuals. And I've just seen that, you know, from the HFS to the Sendin days to Realogy to CBC to where we're at today. And I think that stands really true across all of Realogy, right? From previous leadership to what we're seeing now with Ryan Schneider and Ryan Gorman and Liz Geringer. And, you know, you've got all the other departments that exist, whether it's Ashley and Kate and a lot of the other people across Coldwell Bankers, that we are all very good people and that they are dependable 
And we're an ethical company, right? That's one of the things from Realogy now. Are we 10, 11 years running in terms of yeah. one of the most ethical companies? And I really like that. I mean, it's just, it's not something that I necessarily have had to worry about of, you know, just them treating us poorly. And I've seen many, you know, many people that have left the firm because they thought the grass was always greener and they immediately try to come back. And sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But I just think it's been a good company. They've always taken care of people across, you know, their employees, as well as kind of trickling down to, to the agents and all the franchises as well. Totally. Man, if I if just distilling what you're saying, it just sounds like culture is such a important part. Culture and talent development sounds like, you know, the the two more important things to that kept you going with Realogy. I'm just curious, like, how did you keep going and keep growing and not getting stale in your roles? Was it the idea of like, just say yes, like be open to anything? It kind of has been. It's, it's just say yes. You know, again, my mindset has always been that I want to learn as much about the business as possible and as many different aspects of it, right? So whether that is some of the events aspect, the, the marketing side of it, the operational side, the learning side, learning all of those types of things has, has helped me kind of throughout my career now. And now, you know, over the past few years, it's been focused on growth and, and working with the sales team. So that that has been a big driver for me where I haven't been, you know, for a lack of an explanation, sitting in a dungeon or in a cube, just like kind of, you know, doing the same thing, making ham sandwiches every day. That, that hasn't been the case. You know, every day is different. Every problem is different. Every issue we're working through and trying to solve for people is a little bit different. And I enjoy that, right? So I, I think that's been one of the things is not continuously the same, but different things happening throughout my career. Absolutely. Well, I know that something has changed in your life in the past year almost. You recently had a family addition. So I wanted to ask you, you know, throughout all of your career, how has fatherhood really helped shape how you work? Because I know this year has been amazing for you and it's probably been one of your busiest personal year lives. Yes. So my wife and I just had our first son, Jackson, which has been, we're coming up on his one year birthday at the end of the month. So it's been a little stressful planning for that birthday party. But with it, I, you know, I think the biggest thing that's been a change for me in the adjustment has been not being as open as I've always been in my career, not always being able to say yes. I was always the person that would say, yes, I can go take that flight. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can be at that meeting, whatever it was. And now I prioritized my family a bit more and rightfully so in my mind that I want to spend time with my child as he's growing up and with my wife and, and the family that we're building. So you know what? Now sometimes I'm not going to be immediately able to respond to an email at 7 p.m. because I'm putting my son down to sleep, right? Now I now I understand why I, you know, I see people are sending emails at you know close to midnight. It's like, well, why are you doing this? Why didn't this happen? Oh, okay. Now I now I get it. Now, <laughs> now I see what's happening with that. So I think that's been the biggest hurdle for me personally has been that shift of I was probably, you know, maybe more so too focused on, on work and, and being really diving into that. But now I've kind of carved out time for my family in terms of making sure that I have a little bit more balance in my life. What's so interesting to me is like almost the arc of like a career progression, right? Like I think the say yes is a thousand percent what a lot of hungry young professionals do. I did the same, you know, every door that's opened, you walk through, right? You don't close the door. If it, if um, it makes sense. I mean, yes. I, so yes. I have had times when there were doors that were opened and I did talk to mentors and other people in my life that I trusted to see if this was the right door to step through. Most of the time they said yes. Sometimes they said no as well. So, so being aware of what you're stepping through also. Totally. Absolutely. 
The interesting thing for me, though, is at this point in your career, I think it's very powerful to say no, because it really highlights what things are priority and what things you want to spend, what things you need to and should spend your time on, not just want to spend your time on. And I find that it's also empowering to the team you build, right? Like, if you said yes to everything, it would leave no fun new opportunities maybe for other people to join in and learn from. And so, you know, your no is somebody else's yes, which Very is so nice. powerful. It's a fun way to think about career progression, I think. Okay, so thinking about this year and goals, I know last year was a stellar year. You signed on nine new companies, which is amazing. What are your goals this year? So in, in terms of goals, you know, it's obviously continued focus on growth. Right now we, we're doing, a, we've got a lot of new initiatives that we're working on for growing in terms of the Cobalt Banker commercial side. We do have a goal within the brand that we are striving for. What I will say is, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give away our secret sauce a little bit, but just yeah. note, you know, there are some people that we're kind of coming for some goals of, you know, where we will find ourselves, both in the commercial real estate space, as well as, you know, those other companies that might have a residential counterpart. We're going to continue to grow and kind of add to the Cobalt Banker commercial company. Absolutely. Well, this has been an amazing conversation. I think that whoever's listening will certainly find inspiration on, you know, how they can really attack their own careers. But then, you know, really, if there's somebody listening that's interested in franchising, I think that you would be a great resource to reach out to, whether it's in Colo Bank or commercial or in general, your career is so rich in the franchising industry. How do people get in touch with you? Sure. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm uh, Matt Cornfine. That's Cornfine with a K. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I'm on Twitter, but not really kind of posting as much anymore. But uh, yeah, I'm Cornfine on most things. You can find me. You can also just message us on this podcast channel and one of us will be able to find you and, and get in touch with you that way as well. Absolutely. All right. Well, to close this out, what do you think are the three most important takeaways for our listeners today? I will say if you are running a franchise, if you want to run a franchise, if you want to open a business, have a plan. Don't, and don't just have that plan be, I'm going to be number one. Have a dedicated plan. Have it cross against different business supports, people, cross-selling, fee structure, commissions, all of that. So have a plan for that. Two, be open and say yes to things when it makes sense, but, but be open to new opportunities. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Look to learn new things You know, every single day. I know it's an old cliche, but it does work very well. At least I found... And three is just be a good person, right? Like treat other people the same way that you would want to be treated. That helps build a culture of people around you. That helps build your sphere of other like-minded people and good people to help you continue to grow both professionally as well as personally in your life. And I think that's all we could ever ask for. Absolutely. What a way to put a bow on it. I will say my little note that I like that I circled, that was my favorite also is the idea of if you discover a problem, you should think through two or three or four possible solutions. And to me, that is like what makes the difference between someone that's good and someone that's great. Like, I think that's like what makes somebody great is coming up with possible solutions to problems. Thank you so much for all of these nuggets. Is there anything else you wanted to add before we close it up? No, I've just, I've enjoyed doing this with everyone. Thank you so much for everyone that's a Coldwell Banker commercial listener to this. I very much appreciated getting to know you. And if I haven't met you, please feel free to reach out to me and I will do my best to find you as well. Thank you so much, Matt. For all of you listeners, if you like this episode, please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe our podcast. And until next time, we'll see you soon. Thanks all. Thanks all.